Okay, I'm Susan Gibbony, and um, we're going to introduce ourselves, take turns a little bit uh, with what we do here. But we really want to welcome you to this class and to Harvard Lectures and, and all that's going on. That's a beautiful day. I understand it might rain, but, you know, just get your umbrellas up. It's still okay to do. Uh, I was curious, how many of you have or uh, involved in any kind of a senior ministry? Okay, wonderful. Okay, great. And sometimes, I mean, it doesn't mean you don't serve seniors, but sometimes we have a, a ministry for that, and sometimes it just kind of happens. And so, so we'll look at that uh, maybe a little bit. Um, this is uh, the 80th year for the Harbor Lectures, and Mary Alice and I qualify for 80 years or so. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling, I'm telling. We, you know, it's okay to say our age, and to live as long, I'm 82, and um, you know my husband didn't live this long, and I wish he could have. So to me, uh, it's a privilege to live this long. It's not, uh, not a bad thing to grow old. It's really a wonderful thing and a privilege, I think, to be able. Excuse my voice a little bit. I'm getting over a cold. I'm a little raspy, maybe the sexy voice, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I, at least you can hear me, I hope. Uh, and and the, the theme for this particular lecture is He Loves Forever. And we can attest to that, that he does love forever, even all the years of our lives. But as I said, I'm Susan Gibbony. I'm a retired professor here at Pepperdine University. I lived on campus for 30 years and recently moved off campus. And so this has been an adjustment year for me. It's a good year. I live in an independent senior living facility. Maybe I'll chat about that later. I'm a certified family life educator, and my research particularly is in family education and senior ministry, which I love. I'm the mother of three, the proud grandmother of 10, and have two little great-grands. Three of my granddaughters are getting married this summer, so it's a busy year. And now I want you to meet my very beautiful and generous and faithful friend, Mary Alice. <laughs> Well, I wish I was a university professor so I would know just how to do this class. But I'm just retired from a trucking business. And um, I thought I would have more time to prepare for things like this. One goal I have is to go to Toastmasters to learn how to really give a speech. Because it doesn't make me nervous to do it, but I just kind of go off on a tangent sometimes going the wrong direction. So I have my notes so I stay on task. Um, I'm as busy as ever, time slips away. Susan and I have been talking about this class since October. And the reason I'm in, even teaching the class is Danny Quintero is uh, one of the ministers at our church. And he called me one day and he said, Mary Alice, who could speak about serving the elderly in this church? And I said, wow, well, I, s I served on the board of Sunset Haven and last for 10 years and, and I've been involved in and uh, the elderly minister here in our church, I guess I can do it. And the next thing you know, I get a letter from Pepperdine saying, we're so glad you agreed to teach a class. <laughs> and I said, well, wait just a minute. <laughs> I said, wait just a minute, I'll teach. But Susan Gibbony has even written a book on grief, and she's a professor. If she'll help me, I'll help with the class. So that's how I'm here today. Um, like Susan said, I just celebrated my 80th birthday in April. And really, you get 
prouder of your age as it goes along. It doesn't get harder to say. It might get hard to say I'm 50 or 60 or 70, but when you're 80 and you're still going, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege, like you said. And when your kids are in their 50s, you have to keep getting older. Um, I have three kids in their 50s and their spouses, and I still refer to them as my kids, and they have produced for us nine grandkids and three great-grandkids. So aging does have its rewards. Um, I'm, I'm blessed to be here with all of you. I hope we share things. Susan, I think, is doing some part of the class that is meaningful to all of us. And then I want to do some specific things after she finishes. But welcome to all of you here. Many of you have probably read this book called The Dash. Some of you are familiar with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it's, it's, it's short and sweet, but it's kind of where we are. I, well, all of us in life. But it's a book by uh, Linda Ellis and Mac Anderson here. And it refers to the tombstone <laughs> uh, that we have uh, with our birth date. And then uh, there's a dash. And then there's the date of our death. And so we're living in the dash, it says. Um, I am a widow. Uh, my husband and I share a, a tombstone. My name is there. There's a dash, but the other date's not there yet. And so we're, you know, we're living uh, in that dash. But that's okay. That's a wonderful thing that the Lord has granted. In Psalm 71, 16 through 18, it says, I will come and proclaim your mighty acts, O sovereign Lord. I will proclaim your righteousness, yours alone, since my youth, the first date that we have there. And, oh God, you taught me, and to this day I will declare your marvelous deeds, even when I'm old and gray. Do not forsake me, O oh Lord, till I declare your power to the next generation, your might to all who are to come. And that's our job, to declare his power to the next generation. I think to serve the elderly, we need to understand them. We need to kind of get them and kind of know uh, some of the things they're experiencing. Now, I think we basically kind of worship the first half of life. That's where we concentrate. That's a good thing to do. I've done that all my years of my teaching. Uh, but our culture does that with kind of little or no regard to kind of that second half. We need to concentrate Lord willing, that's a good thing to do, to concentrate on. Um, and we do, though, on the second half, we mostly just look at the, the retirement years, our financial needs and plans, what to do with us so we don't go in the way from everybody uh, who is in the progressive youth, you know, they were just kind of considered getting in the way. So sometimes I think we feel marginalized a little bit uh, with this, this stage. Come in, please. Um, so currently, uh, I was just reading recently, there's a pilot study now for high schoolers, okay, to learn to curb discrimination against the elderly. Isn't that interesting? You know, we have a lot about discrimination now, and so they're trying to teach them how to curb that discrimination. I thought, well, that sounds good. Um, so I think we see the relevance and understanding in serving the elderly. Research shows that the church is aging. We all know that. That's not a bad thing, but it's something we have to realize is exists. 
The number of people aged 65 and older is expected to double in the next 25 years. So I think this is something we really need to pay attention to. Americans are more likely than ever to reach the age of 90. Okay, that is not a crisis, but I think it's a spiritual opportunity to look at that. At church where I worship, they have what they call a fifth commandment group. I love it. And this, the fifth commandment, is to honor your father and mother. And so they're, they're working with people or just have a class with people who have aging parents like me. And I don't know if my daughter's in that class or not, but I, I don't know. But mostly what they're saying is, how do we honor them? What are your problems? How are you dealing with such and such an issue? I think it's a wonderful idea to have this fifth commandment class. Interestingly, I just moved to an independent senior living facility, and I'm amazed at the health and the vigor of these people because I think it's very independent. You even get a, have to have a cognitive exam to get in there. But <laughs> they have um, so many stimulating things to do, good nutrition, physical exercise, uh, social things to keep people alert and involved and uh, interesting. Uh, and there's some fascinating people here, but that's what their purpose is. This might partially be due to all of those things that are there. But people there live to 100 or so. I'm not saying you want to, but if you're going to be alive, it's nice <laughs> to be able to do it in a healthy way, a stimulating way. The elderly want to say to those who are younger, please be patient with me like I was with you when you were a child. You think of the child, they repeat themselves, we repeat ourselves. Um, they need help sometimes physically to, to walk or balance or whatever. So we want them to say, be patient with me like I was with you uh, when you were a child. We want to be told um, we are needed and that we are wanted at that time. Um, and I think that it's, um, uh, we want them to remember also, I tell my family, remember I was young once. Remember my hair was red once. Remember I was thin once. Remember I used to teach, you know, because all they remember sometimes is this elderly person. And so we want them to remember the whole uh, of our lives at that time. Okay, Mary Alice. <laughs> This isn't in my notes, but I went to visit a friend in Sweden, and we visited her grandmother in the nursing home, and they had the most beautiful picture of that woman above her, side of, above her bed on her side of the room. She was a beautiful young woman, and it was so important for the people in the nursing home, I think, to see her when she was at her best. So I think that's one thing we could do. Um, one of the things that we need to talk about with the elderly is their finances. And I don't know about you, but my mother and daddy and my grandparents were very private about their money. They didn't talk to us about their money, and they didn't even encourage us to save or invest because there was a, wasn't a lot of money back when I was growing up. and so. I feel like so many people, like Susan said, they're living longer and they're not really prepared to pay uh, for all their expenses. We had a friend in our church who was needy 
and she could pay her rent, but she didn't really have the money for groceries and other things. And you all who are here from my church remember Imogene helped Delita so much. And there were others in the church who were helping other people. And finally, our elders became aware of that, and they encouraged us to, they always said, if people come to you for help, please come to the elders. Don't just help this family and that family, but bring it to the elders so we know what the needs are. And, and then, you know, then our checks were given to the church for the benevolent fund, especially for the elderly. Um, it worked well because we could give enough for what their needs were. And, and they didn't like taking it as charity. One woman said, I will not take charity from the church, you know, and I said, well, Jerry, they're giving for this very purpose, to help people who need help. <clears throat> One thing, if you're going to do that in your church, I encourage you to honor someone. We named ours in our church the Crawford Fund because Don Crawford had served as one of our elders for years. Imogene had voluntarily, voluntarily kept our books and managed our finances for years. So we named it the Crawford Fund. Don always made jokes about it, but uh, they were still living. And people would give to the Crawford Fund. And you know, if there would be a funeral, you could give to the Crawford Fund. Because one thing our church has done is we, we do the funeral service. In California, most people go to a mortuary, you know, but we do the funeral services at our church. We provide meals for the family. Um, we have an elder who just passed, and they're planning for 140 people there, and and they're thinking maybe we can have a meal for them. We're going to work that work through that. You just have to talk some things out because we're really not set up for 140 people. But those are some of the things we've done with the funds that have been given to the church. So I really encourage you, if you're going to set up a fund to take care of the needs of the elderly, that you honor someone in your church. It helps people to have a spirit of giving and pleasure to give. Um, let me just tell you some of the things we've done for members who needed help. We put new steps into a mobile home, and we used one of the men in our church to do the work, and he could be paid, and the family would get the benefit of the steps, so it was really a double blessing. Um, we bought a vertical lift system for a member of our church to help her. She had dialysis three or four days a week, and it helped her get out of her mobile home down to ground level so she could get in the transport van to go to her treatments. Um, we bought wheelchairs uh, and walkers and purple pillows for people who could be more comfortable in their, in their wheelchair. Uh, we've helped with prescriptions, paying for prescriptions for people because that's a big expense for the elderly. We did a life alert subscription for one member. We've helped with eyeglasses and hearing aids transportation, personal assistance. Right now, we only have, I think, two members who are in their 90s, but they have weekly housekeeping. So someone goes to, which is a, her great-granddaughter was doing it. So it's a blessing, the granddaughter, I guess it was, was earning the money 
and the grandmother was getting the benefit. And they spent four or five hours every week together, but the girl was washing and changing the sheets and, and doing those things that was just a huge blessing to the entire family, not just to the woman or to the girl, but the entire family benefited from that so that they knew their grandmother was being taken care of. We've lost many of our members since 2013, but we still have a few people who need help. I read a book, um, Being in Business. I always loved business books, and I read Love as a Business Strategy. <clears throat> and I don't always read all the books. Sometimes I just get the flavor of the book, just get the gist of it, and then I don't finish it. But in this book, they talked about the golden rule and the platinum rule. I'm just going to read it to you. Everyone's heard the golden rule to treat others as you want to be treated. That rule sounds good on paper, but in practice, the golden rule can get you in trouble since it asks you to assume a lot. Every time you, you apply the golden rule, you're saying, I think you want to be treated like I want to be treated. But... Um, Sure, you have good intentions, but in retrospect, doesn't that approach sound a little selfish? Instead of the golden rule, we're big believers in the platinum rule. Treat others the way they want to be treated. When you show empathy for their own perspective and experiences, you'll be better able to help them. Uh, you know we've all read the five love languages. And it's about treating someone the way they want to be treated. It's about, especially in romantic relationships, but also all relationships. They, there are things that matter to me that might not matter to you at all. Just uh, one thing that came to my mind, especially in dealing with the elderly, was that my dad loved to talk about old times. He loved to talk about the good old days. So if you wanted to go spend an hour with my dad, that'd be something you'd get into. But if you went to visit my mother, she wasn't a bit interested in the past. She only wanted to talk about what's happening now. She didn't ever want to be spared any news with the grandkids. She wanted to know, good or bad, she wanted to know how the kids were doing. So in that way, the love languages still matters, even when dealing with the elderly, to treat them how they want to be treated. So I think that's something we can learn from. But I will say, it takes time. It takes time and practice to do that. You have to go visit someone to, to learn about them and how they want to be treated and the things that they want to talk about. Yes? Is it okay to ask a question? Well, yes, of course. Okay. <laughs> uh, I might wait to end. But I was wondering, going back to kind of what you were talking about in the beginning about um, the fun and um, the finances of the elderly and helping them, um, I've experienced where um, I maybe that that era, that generation, very private uh, with their information, but they do need help and don't want to take charity, but also would be the senior would be embarrassed. Um, if members of the congregation knew that they needed financial help with something. So how would you um, address our approach, uh, like you said, about collecting donations, 
this person would be embarrassed. I know you can name a fun or something like that, mm -hmm. but then do you ask the permission of the senior person to bring their need to the eldership? Or like you said, instead of just helping out of your own pocket, mm -hmm. you know, bring it to the elders, do you, should you ask the senior first, is it okay if I share with the elders that you have a financial need in this area? Um, or do you just go to the elders and, and tell them? Well, it just depends on the person, you know. Uh, you have to talk through some of it. I gave one woman a ride to church every Sunday, to and from church every Sunday. And so we got really close and she would tell me, she's the one who would not accept charity. But um, you don't have to tell their names, but you can just say, this is what some the church is doing. You don't have to report on a weekly basis or anything. But you know, you tell the elders, they need to know. But then those the people who are in need of money are not going to go to the elders and ask. It's, it okay. seldom happens. But, but it's the relationships. Hmm? You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to embarrass the person. Well, you have to, I think you just have to talk that through to them. Just yeah, like I, okay. yeah, you just have to keep communicating. People want to help. And, oh. and the elders can't know all the needs in the church. But the relationships that we all have when we are in the ministry of serving the elderly in our church, mm -hmm. you get to know them. And then you just have to convince them. Okay. It, the money is there. Okay. Somebody is giving money to help with yeah, those. For those want to help. Yes, they did. Yeah. Okay. And it was a blessing to us because, well, then it just made it easier, you know. I mean, and then Share we would the just. Blessing. Yes. When someone uh -huh. tells you something in confidence, I think you need to keep the confidence. And I think they need to trust you with that or they won't share anymore. I mean, I'll die with a lot of those confidences. <laughs> but, but then I do believe that you can say, I think this is important that I talk to the elders about that. We have the funds for it. Mm -hmm. We have funds for it. Now, I can use your name or not. Yeah. It's up to you. But I think we need to not ever betray a confidence. However, we hope to be wise enough to know how to handle whatever the confidence situation is. Uh, but yeah, we, we can go ahead with that. We certainly want to hear some questions. Yes, uh -huh. of course. Well, I was just gonna say that when my grandmother was one of the people that was benefited from that fund. Uh -huh. And um, we were caregivers for her with Alzheimer's and she was a very, very self-sufficient woman. And when she was younger, the idea of accepting charity from the church was horrible to her and even as she aged that idea stuck with her even as her need grew and I think the two things that helped the most was actually naming it especially after Dawn passed away because it was reminding her that it's not charity it was a gift from this it's person in right. this person's and it was also a sign of respect Absolutely. and if that didn't work then I would basically say, so what you're saying is, is that you have too much pride yeah. and you don't want God to bless you through the church. And then that would always make her go, okay, wait a minute, that isn't quite what I was saying. <laughs> well, the, the women that I've spoken about, they're, they've both passed now. Delita is gone and Jerry Jones is gone. I think they'd be happy to be included in my talk today. You know, they, they didn't, they weren't, uh, they weren't begging. They were just sharing you have to spend time with them. That's how you get to know the real needs in your congregation is spending time with them. Same, just with the love languages. You, the more you get to know them, you know how to treat them. You know, I remember at Benton Avenue, 
<clears throat> there was a man there, and he did not want me to help him down the steps. He did not want to be touched, you know. And uh, so, and Tommy's grandmother, she did not want hands on her. She was just kind of a touch-me-not kind of person. So, but you you learn those things when you get to know them. This gentleman, so, I take mm -hmm, that. Yes. I was going to say, there's a, there's a grace in giving. There's also a grace in receiving. Yes. And we don't talk about that very much. You know, the talk thus far has been so much what we can do for the elderly. Mm -hmm. I think as our churches grow older, it's important. We yeah, I'm going to talk them. about how to put them to work in just a minute. also talk about yeah. Yeah, what they can do for yeah. themselves. That's what we're going to do. Yeah. Something that we, you know, we, we're talking about this almost in defensive way, they're just the way they are. Some of them are just the way they are because they're wrong. Old people that don't accept things. Yeah. But somebody that's close to them has a relationship. Yeah. Needs to sit down and explain to them the facts of life mm -hmm. and what the grace of giving is uh, receiving is all about. Mm -hmm. they need to hear that. So. Right. Yes. Okay. I, I, I like what you said. And I, you know, I'm pretty young. I come to this class. I'm preparing my funeral. <laughs> and, uh, one of my prayers really is this. On my deathbed, that will be my best life, best time of my life. Because as we, you know, why do you want to go to eternity? You go to eternity is not to have a party. It's not doing so much seeing. Seeing is a natural consequence. We go to eternity is really to know God, mm -hmm. to spending time with Him. And that's our goal. I believe on my deathbed, since I'm approaching God, every day getting closer, that's the time I will know God the most. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. and I, I, because I had experience with my mom, who, I, who passed away last year. You know, I, she's, been, she's living with us for 20, 30 years. Ever since we get married, mm -hmm. she's been living with us. And so I have an awesome wife. That's what I learned uh, in her parking. Really, there's two things. Because she loves me, she said, "Send me to a nursing home so you can have a better life." Mm -hmm. So I don't. And then, of course, at the same time, she wants me to love her mm -hmm. because. So she's in a conflict, and I tell her, "Mom." This is my opportunity to love you. Mm -hmm. You gave me an opportunity. That's right. And yeah. also, you show me how to die, Absolutely. how to yeah. live graciously. Mm -hmm. You are my example. I don't want to rob that example. And what a lovely message for her mm -hmm. to receive. I think we all need to know when it's time to make a change and admit that. That was my recent move. My kid said, right. Mom, you need to be in a one-story house. I was living in a three-story condo here on campus, and it was wonderful. But it's because I had a disabled sister who would not listen to me and would not, she said, I want to talk about it. And it was very difficult for me. And I, I learned then, I thought, when, when people say, this is time to think about this, I'm going to do that because she didn't. Uh, eventually she did and thought it was wonderful and for 10 years I'd been. So anyway, thank you. I, I, I want to share briefly um, the, the fact that um, some specific things just on how to serve the elderly, you know, how to use them. They are, they are, that's kind of the other part of what we want to talk about. And these are just some ideas 
but I think sometimes an idea helps us in a direction that we might be able to go. Uh, but I think there are ways that society can learn to care for the elderly. So here's a few things very specifically. Uh, I think understanding our aging bodies. Sometimes you don't feel, I don't feel my age, but my body tells me that's how old I am. Okay. Uh, some have a hearing loss, so draw closer to them. Minimize extraneous noise. Use microphones because they're having difficulty hearing. Some have a sight, uh, maybe blurring or loss of some sort. So use good lighting, large print, driving help. Some have mobility issues, as he, as some of you were mentioning. They need handrails, and I need a handrail. And if you don't need it, don't lean against it all the time so that the people that needs it can't get around you. I'm finding that a little frustrating. Like, you don't need it, you're leaning there, it's a nice place to lean, but I need to hold on to it. And so just the respect of, of that use of the handrails there. Don't block them. Uh, so an arm to hold, a boy maybe lose rugs or whatever, and even one level that they can enter on. They have a ramp where at our church, and I'm so glad that I can use that. I can use stairs with a handrail if nobody's blocking it, but the ramp does help a lot. Uh, some have muscular strength difficulties, so they need sturdy chairs to get out of or that will balance well. Some have sensitive skin, so we need a safe and comfortable temperature out of the direct sun. Some are losing, have a memory loss. State your name when you talk to them. I even have former students that come up to me, and it's wonderful. They say, oh, you remember me? Oh, I'd rather you say, hello, I'm John Smith. I was one of your students. Uh -huh. Then I'm, you know, so be respectful to state your name. Don't hurry them or pressure them. Overlook a lapse of memory. Uh, just don't make a big deal out of that. We, but we do have able hands eyes that see to do good, ears to listen to the hurting. We want to feel like our lives are still of value, that we still count, and that we're leaving a good legacy for this world. We've lived long lives with huge challenges and experiences and changes. We've adjusted to many of those changes in culture and technology, as well as changes in the church. We're survivors and perhaps worth hearing from. So here's some things you could use your seniors to do. They can teach a class of all ages on maybe a specific topic. They can be a prayer warrior. They can visit or counsel or pray with those in need. They can talk with the youth about various professions and teach various skills uh, that the youth like to hear from. They can serve as surrogate grandparents and mentors of young families. They can adopt a missionary family. They can serve on a lot of different committees. You know, I'm on a hospitality committee and, and they're of value. They can prepare communion. They can be a greeter and a greeter of maybe new seniors that come and, and help them find the class or uh, all of that. They need, they need to have that help sometimes. Um, and they need to, um, uh, I think, be all welcomed and uh, be, be aware not to have some cliques. In other words, when we go to church, we have our friends, we all want to gather with them, and it's wonderful, and we love that. But try to also look beyond that a little bit, and especially 
the seniors who want to feel that, but also if there's new ones there. I was a greeter at church not long ago, and this gentleman came up and since uh, he and, and found out he lived across the street in some apartments, and he's a uh, recovering alcoholic and comes periodically. So I keep my eye out for him. His name is Doug. You know, and so you learn their name and you keep your eye out of them. They need that maybe more than anybody, but everybody needs it. But certainly our seniors need it. They can help organize a church library. We like books, you know, the kind you turn a page and it's, it's, you hold it in your hand. We still like that. And so uh, they like even a printed bulletin. Sometimes, of course, it's in online, but respect the fact that they still like that. Uh, maybe you do too. Uh, they can, uh, not me, but others, and my husband could have been, be a handyman at church. You know, someone needs, as Mary Alice was mentioning, certain needs to be, things to be fixed. They can, well, how wonderful to have a ministry where you can call up this person and say, you know, my stairs need fixing or whatever, and they would love to come. But you have to ask and, and have, make it comfortable for them to ask. They can write an article for the bulletin. Even where I am, they ask, uh, we have a, uh, a, a lady who is an uh, English teacher and she's only on Zoom because she can't come in, but she proofs the bulletin before it's printed. Mm -hmm. And what a wonderful way for her to feel needed and use her skills in, in the language. Mm -hmm. um, we need seniors group ideas for social events maybe to serve their needs. Some of them go out to lunch after church they can send cards or respond to phone calls. They can host a small group. They can organize hospital visitation and meal support. They can facilitate a grief support ministry because most all of them have experienced that. So these are specific ways that they can be, we can be used, we're still useful. We're not, it's not, you know, it's, I hate to say this, how my husband, he was a bit of a character as some of you know, and unfortunately, when he was uh, diagnosed as terminal with his cancer, but he would say, don't bury me till I'm dead. <laughs> In other words, he said, I'm still useful. I still have something I can do. And so I think for us to respect that and to have specific things that we can use it for. Okay. Um, I was reading the paper recently and there was a notice that they were having a six weeks course for mature driving education and if you take this class and if you if you attend every class you get a certificate which can get you a deduction a reduction of your insurance premiums no guarantee of that they said but it was a great class the room was full every Wednesday morning we went and they they uh, taught you and they did some video presentations but then a woman spoke and they went over all of the new rules like bike lanes and things like that and uh, so it took you know six weeks for me to do it and then I went out and took my test but Catherine has a friend whose mother failed the test the first time and became so nervous she was really afraid to take it again so her daughter studied with her there are 25 tests online that you can study with someone. My point is help someone keep their driver's license. If you know, because I guess you have to take a written test every five years maybe or something now. I had to at 80, but my license expired automatically. So I had to take the test and I passed it. But my point is 
I went six weeks to refresh my mind about all the laws because the laws change. And, uh, and, and um, Catherine's friend has spent hours with her mother and her sister said, just let her take the test and you know, if she passes, she passes. Well, that girl doesn't give her mother a ride everywhere. Right. So, you know, so if somebody needs help getting a driver's license, you would feel so good to help somebody do that because that's a big part of their independence. Tom? I was thinking on the flip side of that coin, there are some people that really shouldn't be driving in hard to talk to them, talk to them and let them realize that. That would be the hardest thing, uh, Tom, I know, to tell, to tell my somebody. My father took him to have an accident on the freeway uh -huh. where he decided, you know what, my vision is 2200, maybe I shouldn't. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's good. Really? actually thinking Maybe create a way to transport them in some places. Take them. help with the transportation part mm -hmm. would be great. Right, very good. So um, I think that's the, the driver's license is a very big, big thing. I was just going to say that something that, that could be added as a way to serve the elderly. Um, Tom and I are studying to help dispatch non-emergency medical transportation. Mm -hmm. And uh, we were, we're learning that almost every single Medicare and Medicare Advantage health plan offers that. And yet so many elderly people don't realize that they can either get free transportation or the people who take them can, might be able to be reimbursed for the mileage. And I think that would be really helpful because it would reduce the number of missed doctor appointments and health yeah. services that they receive. Yeah, or people have to take off work to go take their mom to the doctor or something like that. Really good point, Jeanette. I have a question. Uh, are you going to address, because in our society, whether you like it or not, we do not respect the elders. And then we're thinking it's a shame we're getting old. And once we're getting old, we want to hide away. Nobody bothers me. We don't bother anybody. This is really bad. I, I feel like there's a need. I, the people I talk to elderly, that's why I'll come, is to recognize the value of elderly. That's right. One of the greatest value is Learn how to can be a great role model, how to receive blessings graciously. You have mentioned that. Yes. If you can illustrate, emphasize that, because we feel bad because we don't see the value of what we have. Actually, they have tremendous value. And if, if we can teaching us how to help them see the value, how we can see the value in the elderly, then a lot of things can be because God loves us all. Uh -huh. And that's why we want to yeah. think of those specific ways we could say, I would like you to be a proofreader. I think you would, you'd be a wonderful reader. I need to ask them. Yeah, that's uh -huh. right. But the because greatest gift is yes. learn how to receive the gift. Absolutely. We don't, I don't know how to get help from other people. Yeah. I, I don't want to know, I don't know how to ask. I mean, helping yeah. in a great position to show us how to do that. Absolutely. And we need to emphasize that. That's uh -huh. yeah, true. Um, yes. Um, I think you addressed it briefly earlier, but I think our churches need instruction for the middle age yes. mm -hmm. to know how to care for their elderly yep. members or, or family because they're, I, I, my mother is 106, mm -hmm. 
Mm. Oh, my. Oh, wow. She had her mind. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had the responsibility of 104 taking her in our home to start caring for because uh-huh. she wasn't eating well. You know, uh-huh. she was not able to do a lot. But I didn't know anything about all the things that are provided for health measures for the elderly that are out there. And our our younger people, we were ignorant of the things that we need to know to care for our elderly. That's what our Fifth Commandment group does at church, which is wonderful because they're in that middle age or whatever, and they are caring for their elderly parents, and they are talking about that and, (coughs) excuse me, resources and all. I'm very impressed. I'm not in the group. My parents are gone, but but I think it's a wonderful thing to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, that was so needed. So but needed. The fifth, Amen. The fifth commandment group is really, really good. Is that a good idea? Because yeah. what I realize we need we need to emphasize. Uh-huh. I look at my family. Uh-huh. I say because we honor our mother, man, life is good. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's because God keeps His promise. Uh-huh. So you need to emphasize that. Uh-huh. Yes. Just a question in terms of interacting with the elderly, especially those that have dementia. Uh, yes. My observation has been that people want to reason with them, and I don't understand why. I don't understand how to help the folks that over and over again will say, well, don't you remember? No, they don't. Or they repeat themselves six times, and they say, you said this for the sixth time. Any yeah. Oh, Susan I was, my mother was getting that way. My sister would get so impatient with my mother, and she'd say, "Well, mom, don't." And I would tell my sister, "That doesn't help. That don't don't even say. Just say that's interesting, or uh, you know, go and talk to them, but never chide them about something they are forgetting." And it's just. But I, I would. It was frustrating for me when my sister would keep doing that, and I would say. Don't do. She can't help that. You know, it's like a disease. If you don't have a leg, you can't walk. You can't blame them. And so, but it is very frustrating. Why would your sister not? I don't know. I because that's the same thing I'm running into. Where you're trying to tell the person, just answer the question six times. That's right. Absolutely. Do not try to change it or argue with them. And 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 respect that. That it's not their fault. I yeah. think that's what we need to mm-hmm. not blame them for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was just going to say, you asked why. And one of the doctors that uh, on an online support group for caregivers was sharing yeah. that one of the reasons that the, pe- that the caregivers continue to make that same mistake is because they're not willing to accept the reality of their loved one. Mm-hmm. And so that they keep sense. expecting their loved one to get better. And they're told a lot of times to, like you were saying, you know, be patient with me as I was patient with you when you were young. But the problem is, is that there, when, when you are dealing with a young person, there's this expectation of, of growth. But when you're dealing with an elderly person who is uh, suffering from dementia, the opposite is true, and that is heartrending for the family and the friends. So I think that a lot of times, when you see someone doing that, what they really need is for the caregiver or the family member needs to be pulled aside and given the comfort for the grief they're denying. Yeah, because that's really I, I what it is. I talk a lot about caregiving, and one of the things we forget 
we talk about the sick person, but we don't do helpfulness on the caregiver. Yes. And, and there's a whole Actually, other, I, maybe I another class on that, oh, yeah. to care for the caregiver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. I think about my wife. <coughs> my wife used to ask me, can you take out the garbage? Oh gosh, always give me obsessive. Why don't you take out the garbage? <laughs> Lately, whenever she asked me about it, I said, great, give me another opportunity to love my wife and yes. show how much I love her. <laughs> so when, when the repeater asks you the things, it's really an opportunity for us to show how much we care yes. instead of looking at the burden. It should be a joy. We were starting to see what God will do. That's right. We're just about out of time. Yeah. So we'll I, I was going to say, I know, I know we're running out of time, but I would love to hear some don'ts. This is what you don't, shouldn't do with the elderly. Maybe in the next don't class. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, I mean, truly. Maybe I can pull you. Think, yeah. You're right. Yeah. <clears throat> don't avoid them. I think spend time, spend time with them, I think, is the, the whole thing. Like, for in your congregation, if you spend some time with them and get to know them, you'll be able to minister to them. Yes, you have something to say. I have one thing to say. Uh -huh. And I wish my husband would speak up. <laughs> no, he has a, he is a, he's a geriatrician and internist that has an elderly, a, a practice where the elderly has grown up, grown, his practice has grown elderly. Uh -huh. But talking about driving and the keys, I think the best thing he ever told me was, let him be, let the doctor be the evil one that takes the keys away. Yeah. Or say, no, you yeah. do not need to be driving anymore. Yeah. And that takes the burden off of the family. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you have that relationship with their doctor, and and uh, they will sometimes listen to someone outside the family. I, re I read that one of the top 25 TED Talks, the speaker said, at the end of our life, the only thing that really matters is our relationships. Yeah. And um, especially if it's with our parents, we need to preserve that relationship and do what we can to make their life easier. But in the church as a whole, they are our sisters and brothers in Christ also. We need to show them our love and then reinforce our relationship with God. So, thank you. We need to do this some more, don't we? We've got a lot to go in. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, the purpose of life is not to be happy, it's to be useful and to be honorable, to be compassionate, to have it make a difference that you loved and lived well. So the church needs our seniors' prayers, practical biblical wisdom, encouragement, and presence. And seniors need to be more encouraging. I mean, that's a whole other side. We seniors need to be more encouraging, open to reasonable and godly change, grateful and hopeful. We need to laugh at ourselves. As Colin Powell said, get mad and get over it. <laughs> uh, I think the senior life is wonderful, fulfilling, serving with joy in a very rewarding season of life. This happens with the art of serving uh, uh, the elderly well in our church. Thank you so much. I'm, we need so much more time together. Uh, if you have, I wrote down the don'ts. 
If you have other things that you think maybe next year, another time would be good to talk about. We'd love to hear from you. God bless you mm -hmm. as you serve Thank the elderly. You. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah. Did you have any more to say? Okay. Okay. Thank you all for coming. Too. You're wonderful. God bless you. So thankful that you care about this topic. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. Which quote? Which quote? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, it's, here it is right here. Okay. Uh, well, you could write it up. Yeah, you know the author. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, let me finish. Sure. Um, there's a book that I had picked up for my husband. Uh-huh. And it was kind of a nice Oh, yeah. I may have that. I'm not sure. Uh -huh. Some of them finish well. Yes. That's a good way to put it. And it's, it's, it's our responsibility in the church. I think she is. Yes, yes, that's all. Us right. all not yes. to be afraid of dying. Well, and yes. well. And not to be afraid of aging. I, right. I feel like, and that's why I love this. I just thought that that's that such a right idea. I thought it was no, such a one. Obviously, I don't go, but I do know the lady that teaches it and what they do. And she said a lot of it is just the group just says, I'm struggling with this with my mother, or I'm I don't know how to handle blah, 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 or how do you, and so it's kind of, it's a prayer group, but it's also, it is, how to help, but I 